0: Welcome to Broken Law, the podcast about the law, whose interests it serves and whose it does not. Brought to you by the American Constitution Society, a 501c3 nonprofit, nonpartisan organization. I'm Jeannie Hireska, Senior Advisor for Communications and Strategy at ACS. We are just weeks out from Election Day with early voting already underway in several states. With much attention on which party will control the U.S. Senate and the House come January, there are also several down-ballot races that will have profound effects on our fundamental rights and on the legitimacy of our democracy. These include races for state attorney general, secretary of state, state court judges, and district attorneys. Earlier this year, we spotlighted some of these races with standalone episodes, and I encourage listeners to go back and check those out if you haven't already. They are episodes 39, 41, and 44. Today, we're going to do a rapid review of these races and the top-line selling points for why voters should make sure to not leave these races blank on their ballot. We're going to keep the episode short and sweet, with the bottom line being, vote your full ballot. Joining me for this conversation are several of my colleagues whom I will introduce as they join us. Here to talk with us about Secretaries of State is Lindsay Langholz, ACS Senior Director of Policy and Program. Lindsay, welcome back to Broken Law. Thank you so much. All right, top line, what do Secretaries of State do?
1: Well, one of the, uh, you could call it a feature or a bug or, or however you want to describe it, but Here in the United States, compared to other countries, we have a much more decentralized election system. So there's not one federal body that conducts our federal elections. It's determined by states primarily, and then in some, you know, certain policies at the local level. And so secretaries of state in many, um, most, but not all states are the chief election official and have a lot of input in how the elections are conducted within their state. It's one of those where the role looks slightly different in every state. um, But in most states, they are the person on top of the election security and election
0: administration program. So talking about this election cycle in particular, Why do secretary of state races matter so much?
1: Well, you know, this has been an enormously powerful position in most states for a long time. The reason it's getting so much attention going into this cycle is there are a number of big lie supporters running for this office in particular. You know, we've got big lie supporters up and down the ballot, so it's not the only place um, but it's one that has been, gotten special attention from the folks who believe that the 2020 election was stolen or fraudulently conducted, despite there being zero evidence to that claim. And, you know, quite to the contrary, quite a bit of evidence uh, to say the opposite. But there are a ton of folks who have stepped up to run for these really critical races that, that used to be relatively low key, um, important, but low key, and now have taken this prominence this year going into the midterms.
0: Is it safe to say that having people who have expressed support for election subversion, uh, either in the past or in the present, that's particularly dangerous in a position that would have so much influence over elections?
1: Yes, it would be giving the keys to folks who should not be behind the wheel. Um, It is... On a number of fronts, dangerous. You know, it, I think a lot of people think about the ways we saw secretaries of state emerge in the fight after the election of 2020, which were critically important. You know, a- across both parties, um, in Michigan you had Jocelyn Benson, in Georgia you had Brad Raffensperger. Hold the line in terms of pressure being put on them to, uh, you know, come up with votes uh, that, that just weren't there. But these roles also have huge impact on the way that. Elections are conducted while ballots are still being cast and before. In most states, voter registration databases and processes go through the Secretary of State's office. And so it really can determine who's able to vote, how they're able to vote, and then finally that that vote is counted.
0: Are there any states that you're watching in particular? You mentioned Michigan and Georgia just now.
1: Yeah, there are so many. It's honestly hard to choose and it's it's a little tricky because you know most states that are um, well, let me say this thirty five states will determine who is the next Secretary of state in this election. So most states have this on the ballot in one way or another. within that thirty five <laughs> to use the same word, most states will be electing those positions directly, but there are a handful of states where those positions are appointed. So, for example, in my home state of Texas, the governor appoints the secretary of state and the governor is on the ballot this term. And so, you know, in Texas, for example, the person who was appointed secretary of state by the current governor was a lawyer on the big lie litigation to try and overturn the Pennsylvania results. Many people, you know, remember this being referred to as kind of the crack in lawsuits. And he was a member of that legal team and is now responsible for a good bit of Texas election administration, including voter registration. And so, in every state where this is on the ballot, it's really important to see how those folks are being selected and then who it is, because oftentimes these are people who, you know, there's not televised debates. Um, You may get very little mail, but they're they're just so important. And so it's worth looking up.
0: So for listeners who need to convince their friends and their family about the importance of this race, what would be kind of the one sentence sales pitch that you would give them?
1: I would say that not only is democracy on the ballot, but any issue that you are particularly passionate about runs through the secretary of state, even if indirectly, Um, If you were in a state where the secretary of state is the chief election official, because, you know, for example, for this year, we're seeing a lot of folks very fired up to vote abortion all the way up and down their ballot. Well, abortion has been thrown to the states. um, And so it is state legislatures who are determining abortion rights and those are elected positions. And so the secretary of state will have a direct impact on how the elections are conducted for those things. So even if you are not a person who's out, you know, that feels particularly passionate about democracy and voting rights issues. Although I'm going to get you eventually um, if you keep listening to the podcast. But even if that's not your number one issue, it is just the doorway through which all other rights and all other policies go through.
0: I like that. The secretary of state is the doorway through all other offices go. So yeah, Great sales pitch there. Yep. For voters, uh, listeners who want more resources or might want to look up information about their state, is there a resource that you can send them to?
1: Yeah. Um, and hopefully if it would be okay to put in the show notes. There's a really great list that Boltz Magazine has put together on the 35 states that will be determining their Secretary of State this year. And in, in very plain language, explains how the Secretary of State in each day is being selected and what's at stake in each race. Um, and, and kind of does all of the work for you in determining how to how to find this information because it does vary from state to state. And they, if you are interested and want to kind of dig a little deeper, they've been doing really great reporting on this issue as well. And so we'll, we'll include this one link, but um, stick around on the site if there's more that you want to look into.
0: That's excellent. And we will definitely include that in our show notes. Lindsay, thanks so much. Thank you so much. And next up here to talk state court judges is Zach Gima, ACS Vice President for Strategic Engagement. Zach, welcome back to Broken Law.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: All right. Top line. What's the role of state court judges?
2: Yeah. So state courts are incredibly important. Uh, actually, most people who interact with the legal system do so in state court. And because so many of the state courts are filled by elections, knowing who is on the ballot, who is sitting in the court is is, is incredibly important, especially in the criminal justice context. We can see who the judge is, has a big impact on how the trial is conducted and for uh, how uh, criminal justice and racial justice is administered at the local level.
0: That's really helpful. So thinking of this election cycle in particular, why are state court races so important?
2: So partisan control of the state Supreme Courts are uh, up for grabs in Illinois, Michigan, North Carolina, and Ohio. And on top of those uh, important races, I think that this this question highlights how important it is to vote uh, your entire ballot, no matter where you are. In deep red states or deep blue states, there are uh, incredibly important judicial elections on the ballot. For example, in Kentucky, there's an ally of Mitch McConnell who, who is trying to unseat a circuit court judge in Franklin County. In Los Angeles, there's a group of criminal justice reform-minded judicial candidates uh, on the ballot, which mirrors previous efforts in Houston, New Orleans, and Pittsburgh. And so, you know, uh, if if any issues are important to you, voting the entire ballot on courts is incredibly important.
0: And on this topic, especially, I I just want to talk about abortion, because one of the most defining narratives is how much abortion is going to motivate voters this cycle, Talk to me about the impact of state courts on abortion rights.
2: So state courts have a a big impact on uh, abortion rights, both uh, because state courts have the final say on state legal issues and state constitutions. And we've seen great victories uh, across the country from state court judges ruling on uh, the access to abortion issues based on state law. And then also, unfortunately, we've seen the... um, intersection of criminal law and criminal prosecutions and, and abortions. And again, when we're talking about state court trial judges and and criminal justice reform, uh, knowing sort of which judges are going to be in, this, in the trial court levels, that's incredibly important on this issue as
0: well. Yeah, so ultimately, we've been saying on several episodes uh, in the wake of Dobbs, right, that one of the, the leading fallouts of Dobbs is that the Supreme Court sent the fate of abortion rights to states. And, to ult- and ultimately, that means to state courts. And so is it safe to say that kind of the one line sales pitch for why voters should make a point of of voting in these races specifically is if you are going to the ballot to vote abortion rights, state court races are arguably one of if not the most impactful race. That's
2: absolutely correct.
0: Are there any resources for voters who might want to read more information about state court races generally or find information about their states.
2: So the same resource that Lindsay provided on Secretary of State Races also includes great information on state courts, and that is Bolt's magazine.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: And next up here to talk about State Attorneys General is Valerie Nannery, ACS Senior Director of Policy and Program. Valerie, welcome back to Broken Law. Thanks for having me back, Jeannie. It is always great to have you. All right, top line. Why do state attorneys general matter?
3: Well, a state attorney general is the state's chief legal officer. They defend and initiate lawsuits involving the state, its officers and agencies, and the constitutionality of its laws. It is the lawyer for the state and its people, and they have broad authority in civil litigation and appellate litigation involving the state. Um, they usually have limited criminal authority, but their their powers um, and duties uh, are generally to represent the state and its officials. And they also provide official interpretations of the law to state officials to guide them in their work. So you're basically hiring... The lawyer for your state.
0: So really, if a voter has a policy priority that is their bread and butter, the issue they care about, it's likely that the state AG will have an impact on that policy issue, whether it's health care, criminal legal reform, reproductive rights. The state AG could easily have an impact on that issue. Is that fair to say?
3: That is a great way to sum it up. State attorneys general are always essential state officials, but they are particularly important right now because of the current state of affairs in the federal government. You know, you have the Supreme Court of the United States rapidly changing the legal landscape, redefining rights and the law as it has been understood for decades and sometimes more than 100 years and at the same time, you have a virtual standstill in Congress where legislative action on the things that matter in people's everyday lives, all of the things you just listed, those laws are never enacted. I'm talking federal legal protection for abortion, contraception, healthcare protections, protections for same-sex marriage, voting rights, environmental protections, like all of the above – All of these issues are areas in which your state attorney general can make a huge difference at the state level, depending on their positions and how they plan to use the resources of their office.
0: That's a a great answer to kind of why these races are so important this year in particular is the federal landscape has really brought them uh, into even more focus than they usually are. So with that in mind, are there any state AG races that you are, are watching generally? How many states are we talking about? As you're preparing for the midterms, kind of what's your sense?
3: Well, state AG elections are huge this year because we have 30 states and the District of Columbia and two other U.S. jurisdictions that are electing their attorneys general this year. And these folks have broad discretion in how they enforce the laws and which cases they pursue. It's a dramatic moment in the development of the office of the attorney general and and who the attorney general is, is going to significantly impact the lives of all the people in their state. So with so many races, it's really hard to like pinpoint a few that are important. But I think that I'm really keeping an eye on Nevada and Arizona, as well as Michigan and Wisconsin, states where they're generally considered kind of like purple states or swing states in federal elections. I think the same things apply in these um, state-level elections. And so a lot of good can be done in those states. And um, I'm going to be keeping an eye out on other places where, you know, there's the possibility for progressive change in places like Georgia, Florida, and Texas. Although I'm going to just keep my fingers crossed on those.
0: It's always good to be hopeful. <laughs> be the optimist. Uh, all right. For, for listeners who are going to go to their friends, their family, and try and convince them to also make sure to vote their full ballot, what would be kind of the one sentence sales pitch that you, that you would arm them with about state AG races?
3: Everything you care for. <laughs> Sorry. No, <laughs> I think
0: mean, everything a, a, you care every about. Every policy issue you care about.
3: <laughs> every policy issue you care about is at stake in the state attorney general race, you know, that's the one sentence. I cannot elaborate on the one sentence. Yeah. But.
0: I mean, I think it, we talked about this with with Lindsay and with Zach, honestly, which is, you know, two of the issues that seem to just really be dominating this election cycle are abortion rights and the legitimacy of our democracy, right? Kind of safeguarding election security and, and the guardrails of democracy. Uh, and state AG races are definitely uh, important for both of those issues. And so if you're heading to the polls with abortion rights in mind or our state of our democracy in mind, this is a race you absolutely want to cast your vote in if it's on your ballot.
3: Absolutely. State AGs can make a huge difference on both of those issues issues and, you know, issues beyond that. But even if you look at the candidates who are on the ballot for state AG, you have folks who are running who tried to overturn the election results in other states. So, like, after the 2020 presidential election, you had the attorney general of Texas filed a lawsuit against the state of Pennsylvania for violating the federal constitution (laughs) in their elections and the way they run their state elections. And so I think it is imperative that voters look at the way their candidates are using the resources of their office right now because some of these people are running for re-election. And you can look at their past activity on things like election integrity to see how they're going to use that office in the future. And then when it comes to abortion, in some states, the Attorney general like, you're going to talk about local prosecutors and the discretion of local prosecutors to prosecute um, the criminalization of doctors, abortion providers, and people seeking abortions. And in some states, even if you have a progressive prosecutor, if you have a very conservative AG, in some states, they can remove that prosecutor. The attorney general has that authority in some states. And so... All of these positions tie together. It is imperative that voters vote for all of these down ballot races,
0: and that's just a really great reminder on the importance of voters doing their their homework, doing their research, and not not waiting until the last day. Preferably, now is a great time uh, to jump online to kind of to look up who the candidates are and look up what their positions are. And I like the point you made of if they're currently in office, how are they currently using their office? How are they currently using the resources of their office? Because it tells you a lot in terms of what they will do representing you if elected again. Last question for voters who want to do their homework and want more information. Are there any resources that you can provide them?
3: Well, we started a blog series earlier this year. It's an eight-piece series on the ACS Expert Forum, um, focusing on state AGs, what they do, and how they can make a difference on everything from workers' rights to abortion to LGBTQ plus rights. And I would encourage readers or listeners to read all of them. But if you only read one, read the latest one, which I wrote at the end of September about why you should care about this office and vote. And it has links to important information.
0: Perfect, and we will link to that in the show notes. Valerie, thanks so much. Thank you, Jeannie.
3: You're listening
0: to Broken Law, brought to you by the American Constitution Society. ACS is a 501c3 nonprofit, nonpartisan organization committed to protecting our democratic legitimacy and supporting laws and legal systems that improve the lives of all people. If you're enjoying Broken Law, consider becoming a member of ACS today. You do not need to be a lawyer to be a member. Our laws and legal systems impact all of us. By joining ACS, you support Broken Law, our work to diversify the federal bench, our advocacy in support of Supreme Court reform, and truth, racial healing, and transformation. Information, and so much more you also become a member of our nationwide network which includes over 250 student and lawyer chapters join ACS and the progressive legal movement today by visiting our website at acslaw.org backslash membership and now back to the conversation and last, but certainly not least, here to talk district attorney races is Christopher Wright DeRocher, ACS Vice President of Policy and Program. Christopher, welcome back to Broken Law.
4: Oh, thanks for having me, Gene.
0: It is wonderful to have you. Always a pleasure. We have not talked district attorneys a ton on this episode. And so I want to give you a minute to to just kind of explain the relevance of this position for, for listeners who are not immersed in criminal law. What do district attorneys do?
4: So, district attorneys are what what are called the chief prosecutors in the districts in which they serve. Um, and as you're looking at your ballot, you you know, depending on where you live, they m- may also be listed under sort of like different names. Um, They're called county functions. attorneys
0: in New Hampshire, but, I know.
4: Yes, there are county attorneys, county prosecutor, states attorneys, uh, state attorney, prosecuting attorneys in the Commonwealths. In this country, they're called commonwealths attorneys, but
0: distinct. We should note from states attorneys general, which we ju- we just covered.
4: Yes, they those are different. I, I you know not to get too into the weeds, but there are three states in which the state attorney general is also the chief prosecutor, rather than there being um, a district attorney. But in most states, it's a, a district attorney or um, similar function. And these folks are known as the chief prosecutors because they're the folks in either their their municipality or their county um, or in those very rare circumstances in the state who are responsible for the criminal prosecution in their districts. Um, And this includes both individually, like cases that need to be prosecuted, as well as determining um, policies and prosecuting priorities. So, you know, a particular district attorney could decide There are certain low-level crimes that I'm not interested in investing our resources on. So as a policy, we are going to deprioritize those for prosecution.
0: And we've seen that on cannabis, right? We've seen a number of district attorneys say, I'm no longer going to prosecute low level like personal possession cannabis cases.
4: Exactly. So, you know, a couple of examples, drug decriminalization, for for sure, like cannabis, Um, also choosing not to prosecute sex workers, Mm -hmm. certain district attorneys and chief prosecutors have determined not to prioritize those. Um, Another area where you've seen like a lot of um, work from these chief prosecutors is with regard to to cash bail, mm-hmm. even in states where cash bail is still sort of available, um, the certain prosecutors will say, we're not going to seek cash bail because we recognize the inequities that exist as a result of that.
0: Is there a flip side to that where district attorneys who are really heavy handed and really, you know, be- believe in being tough on crime? What does that look like? What does prosecutorial discretion give them?
4: Yes, because, so, I mean, the interesting thing about prosecutors is that uh, amongst all the actors in the criminal legal system, they have the most amount of power because they decide who's going to be prosecuted. Um, And also, you know, um, they, since most cases, um, uh, criminal prosecutions don't go to trial and are actually resolved through plea bargains, I think it's about 97% nationally, it's the prosecutor who decides what the charges are that the person is going to be convicted of and how long their sentence is going to be. So if a district attorney um, or other chief prosecutor is in that tough on crime vein, uh, they can certainly use their prosecutorial discretion to enact some really draconian um, sort of policies that, would negatively impact folks for things like simple possession of, you know, as you said, cannabis is like, I think, the perfect example. And so, yes, there's a, there can be a huge sort of spectrum of difference between what a criminal legal system in a particular area looks like, depending on um, who the prosecutor is. Um, and another area I think that's important to note um, is the death penalty. The death penalty, you know, exists in this country um, in very specific places. It's used very heavily. And that is directly the result of the chief prosecutors in those areas who are prioritizing capital prosecutions.
0: I think that's such a good point because you've mentioned this on other episodes. It's not just that certain states prioritize the death penalty. It's that certain counties choose to really pursue Death penalty cases.
4: Exactly. I mean, this is the statistic is a, a little bit out of date, but you know, roughly there was a study done that showed that two percent of counties in this country accounted for almost fifty percent of the capital prosecutions, which just goes to show you um, how uh, important district attorneys or or chief prosecutors are and what a difference they can make.
0: So that's generally speaking. Let's talk 2022 specifically. So uh, thinking of this election cycle, why are district attorney races so important?
4: You know, I think there are a couple of reasons. I think one of the notable reasons, um, as we discussed, given their discretion and the latitude they have in determining who they will and they will not prosecute. um, As we're looking at states that are either had sort of like springing um, anti-abortion laws or states that are now adopting um, anti-choice and anti-abortion laws. Um, prosecutors in the, in, the in, in municipalities and counties in those states are the ones who are going to determine um, whether folks are prosecuted under the statutes. They have, as I said, they have wide latitude to determine that as a policy they're not going to commit resources to going after doctors who are performing abortions, and they're not going to go after you know even women who miscarry, which is a which is a huge problem with prosecutors who are really trying to show their sort of like anti choice bona fides um going after women who um, miscarry um and claiming that um, they did it intentionally and and prosecuting them for infanticide or or, or other crimes um and so you know. So who the prosecutor is in, in those states and in those um, districts and counties can make a huge difference directly on the lives of the folks who are, who are living there.
0: And there have been a a couple high-profile examples of this, of current district attorneys who have said, I will not prosecute anyone for having an abortion. I believe there is one in Florida who took that position, and the governor went after them for it.
4: Yes, yes. That actually has echoes of, a few years ago, um, another state prosecutor in Florida announced that they weren't going to pursue um, capital prosecutions, and the governor again um, went after them. With regard to... Sort of those statements and those broad policies there are different states that sort of like treat that differently. Um, there have been states in Florida is unfortunately one of them where prosecutors who've announced a policy of not prosecuting certain crimes have actually um, faced consequences as a result in the, the the case a few years ago with the the state prosecutor who declined to pursue death cases. They actually like took those cases away from her and gave them to other prosecutors. So, you know, whether it's sort of an announced like policy or whether it's just a sort of a case by case decision that we're not prioritizing um these cases can make a difference in sort of how effective that is but you know the the underlying thing is that it is uh, at least uh, in the american tradition within sort of like the prosecutor's discretion um what what cases they what criminal cases they pursue
0: yeah i'm thinking of you know we we tend to put a lot of emphasis in this country on legislators whether it's on the federal or state level but any one legislator can only do so much right they're one vote in their legislative body district attorneys are singularly so powerful they get to decide which cases to prosecute, what laws to prioritize. And so in terms of how impactful a single person can be, district attorneys are, are one of the top ones. Yes, I mean, it goes
4: hand in hand with how powerful they are within the criminal legal system. That, that power also gives them the influence to really um, adopt If they so choose, some really meaningful reforms. And, you know, I think the reason why I would say district attorney um, and other chief prosecutor elections are so important is because those reforms only last. As long as a chief prosecutor is in office that supports them, so even if you're living in a city or a county or a state where a prosecutor has pursued some of these really positive reforms, like eliminating cash bail or you know not prosecuting sort of anti-choice cases or um, low-level drug offenses, that can like change on a dime if a new prosecutor is brought in who is sort of more like traditionally like tough on crime minded.
0: Uh, I think that's a really important reminder, this election cycle in particular, where the draconian nature of an abortion law could change overnight, depending on who gets elected in these positions. So that that may be the answer to this next question, but I'm going <laughs> to ask it anyway. Uh, for voters who are now going to go to friends and family and make sure that they, too, vote their full ballot, including in district attorney races, what's kind of the one the one-sentence sales pitch? that you would give them about this position?
4: I would say that if you care about the criminal legal system and ensuring that it is um, operating in a more just and equitable way, you need to make an informed choice um, and vote for the district attorney, um, county attorney, commonwealth attorney, whatever the chief prosecutor is called in, in your area not is, is essentially leaving others to decide what the criminal legal system in, in your state is going to look like.
0: And a, a reminder that the criminal legal system now includes abortion bans. Most yes. you know, abortion bans are criminal laws. Absolutely. So for voters who are now going to go do their homework and are going to research the, their candidates and are going to research more information about district attorneys for those who are not already familiar with this position, is there any resource that you could send listeners to?
4: You know, honestly, a good starting point would be um, a post that we published on ACS's expert forum uh, last week entitled Dobbs and Trump Bring Focus to Prosecutorial Discretion. It's a great primer on uh, what prosecutorial discretion is, how expansive it is, and what impact it could have both on anti-abortion laws and criminalizing abortion, um, as well as concerns about holding former President Trump accountable for uh, potential violations of the law.
0: Perfect. We will include that in the show notes. Christopher, thanks so much.
4: Pleasure as always, Jeannie.
0: Thanks again to Lindsay, Valerie, Christopher, and Zach for joining me today. And again, if you missed our earlier standalone episodes on secretaries of state, state attorney generals, and state court judges, those episodes are 39, 41, and 44, and they are available wherever you're listening to this episode. Thank you for finding Broken Law. You can help us bring the show to more listeners by recommending it to a friend and giving us a five-star review. Let us know also if you have ideas for future episodes by emailing us at podcast at And please remember to check us out on social media at ACS Law. Together, we'll speak truth to power about the law, whose interests it really serves, and whose it does not.